You're listening to the Start Today podcast. I'm Eric. And I'm Mike. And this is episode 14. On film failures and a second look at M. Night Shyamalan, part two. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Welcome back. Hey, hey, hey. Guess who we have returning since you already read the title? The same guy. He's here again. Who is the same two. guy? Hello, gentlemen. Oh, man, Hello. that's the voice again. It is that voice. Oh, I feel, I feel so, like every I feel time. So comforted. Every time we have a guest, I'm like, why do they have such a better voice than I me? I know. You could do like a love songs radio show. Well, like love, love songs on the coast. <laughs> love songs <laughs> on the coast. Play like 70s. See? Oh, man. That was, <laughs> that was, so, uh, that was so it. Are you competing with uh, DJ Jason Kova? I would never try to compete. No. I don't know. DJ you guys are all. Jason Kova. Kova. You guys are all bringing it. In my opinion, so I agree. I, I agree. No, that. everyone has a great voice, and we sound weird. But hey, that's okay. We do. So we're back to talk about movies some more. I'm actually really happy about this, and I'm gonna let you throw your curveball at us in a second. Um, I'm throwing curveballs lately because I'm I've been hyper uh, introspective. Yeah, but so I've been, I apologize for that. But after keep the people guessing. Yeah. Yeah, but after right. we did our last thing, I started. I. I started watching things, watching film using the advice of our esteemed guest. And uh, it was fun. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I'm, So all that, just to say, I'm excited we're, we're going to talk about movies again because I had fun the last time. And Me too. I've been in, trying to engage in film in an intentional way. So anyway. Um, so Which before, makes sense, yeah. by the way, because this is people's work. Yeah, no, totally, I, totally. You know, but so. before, before we get too deep into that, why don't you uh, throw us a curveball? It's just something that's been on my mind, and you two gentlemen, and I would like to assume our um, audience, are thinkers and people who reflect on their lives. And I'm not going to get um, political, but I am going to say something, or I just have had things on my mind that have been wearing on me, and I just want to express them. So last Sunday, uh, today is Friday, I don't know the date, because I don't care about that stuff, but... It's October 12th, if you want to know. October 12th. It's going down in history, regardless of when this is published. Okay. This is whatever you're doing October 12th, you can reflect and be like, oh, those That's guys what we were, were doing. doing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 7 o'clock at night, you know, just for anyone <laughs> taking notes. <laughs> right, right. Anyway. So last Sunday, uh, me and Jesse, uh, another guy named Ryan, who was a parishioner at our local church establishment, DJ Jason Kova, Jason Kova Rubius. DJ Jason Kova, Kova. And uh, <laughs> Ismael slash uh, Angelos, who's been a guest at Blue Line Grappling. Go check him out. We all went down to San Diego, and we were eating uh, in Old Town. And, you know, the people in Mexican restaurants, they, there are people that will sing while you're eating dinner. And we had these two elderly guitar players, and Ismael gave him, you know, tipped him off some money, and he was singing a song with him out loud, like, people in the restaurant knew the song. He told the guy the song. He said, can you play whatever it is in Spanish? La Bamba. Not La Bamba, but... <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> You don't have to sing it. It's okay. Keep going. Well, I don't. Because I'm tempted to sing I every. Want to so yeah, badly. don't you want to sing every song you know from Mexican restaurant? <laughs> oh, I do. It's so good. Do they actually do that? I almost feel like that'd be condescending. 
we're not going to do it. That's <laughs> the point. <laughs> but anyways, um, and they were singing, and, you know, I don't know if people around us were singing, but Ismael knew the song, and I'm pretty sure Jason knew the song. And I just kept reflecting on the social thing that we have going on right now, like, and I was reflecting with Jesse about this on the way home. What, where is our folk song? Or what is our folk song? What is, we've lost this ability to take pride in being American. And I don't think about taking pride in being the bruises and the, uh, the pain and affliction that we've given to others. But like, where's our song that we can chant together? Where I felt like really upset about it, to be honest, on the way home, because I was like, like, you, you wanted a song. No, I want an association. I don't want a song. I want an identity. I don't have an old country. So I don't think that, um, I I actually think this is really challenging for American culture. Hugely. Well, we don't have a monolithic culture. And I know that some like white people like to argue and say that we do, but, um, for instance, like my family, right? My yeah. great-grandparents came to America in 1907 from Eastern Europe, from Ukraine. So, um, like, the, 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 the kinds of stuff my great-grandparents were teaching my grandparents, not in English, by the way. My great-grandparents didn't speak English. Right. Um, I think they spoke German, Russian, and Ukrainian. So, um, and my grandfather spoke German, Russian, Ukrainian, and English. So like this is like so then my my grandfather taught my dad right like th- this idea that like we have some sort of like monolithic folklore in America is just we we just it's really hard because most of us most of us don't right I'm I'm and what would that look like right like if what you, I I don't yeah I don't know and and that's what I've been thinking about a lot lately it's like is it the stuff is it the the wild west is it the old west is that our nostalgia is what is it that but who are we though even when you say us like i don't have an old country yeah you're a hundred years removed from an old country like what if this is something common in the orthodox world it's like oh i'm gonna go back home to lebanon i'm gonna go back i was just gonna say that what if i came what if i came here to lebanon in the 50s and my grandchildren are now like in college right right like is is like let's say there was some american folklore from the 1800s where we all like you know, cowboys and Indians, and we sang a song together, and that was our identity. Like, is that their identity? They're American, but they're also only one generation removed from Lebanon. Yeah. So So really, it's like the American culture is is challenging that way. It is challenging. And I don't know. I've just been thinking a lot about that lately, and what is it? Does it mean I can't speak for other people? And to be quite honest, I'm, I'm at the point to where my identity isn't wrapped up so much in others. I'm trying to establish myself. And, and I'm, the bigger question that I'm getting at is, how does that tie into what the Orthodox Church teaches about identity? And, you know, because I do believe that the Orthodox Church is the one place that keeps multi-ethnic, multilingual, multi-all this people, it's the one thing that keeps people that would probably normally be going to war, at least like in pre-modern times, it's the one thing that keeps us on, in line. And it keeps us unified. Where else do you get Russians, Arabs, and Africans in one building? 
where maybe culturally they would be at war or fighting, or at least at the very, very minimum, not associated, mm -hmm. whether it be distance or language or whatever. So should I be bummed about this stuff? Should I be bummed that I lack some sort of cultural identity? And should I be excited that the only identity I have seems to be resting within orthodoxy? Or is this even too big to talk about real quick? No, it's uh, actually something I've been thinking about in light of Father Josiah's latest uh, lecture series, which is on patriotism. I don't know if you guys have been able to go to at no, least one I, or two I of them. I have not. But they've been challenging for me and I, uh, because I'm a millennial. And to be honest, guys, really hard for me to be all gung-ho on America. Sure. Yeah. And well, it didn't of, sound like yeah. the one lecture I was at, Father wasn't particularly like, mm. oh, yeah, go America all the yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, he does have a, uh, a, uh, a lecture where he does talk about the degradation of, of America. That was the, the one I made. Ma <laughs> many terrible things America has done, but uh, he also talks about the uh, spiritual and the Christian virtue of patriotism, right? And how he, he says that we will be judged on our patriotism, like in the final judgment, are, are we a good patriot and what that entails. And so it's been challenging for me. It's been very good. It's been sobering for me, right? Because uh, I feel how you feel a little bit. Like, w w you know, what are we? Who, who are we? You know, it just, uh, it seems like uh, it's so hard to be so very proud of being an American because we don't even know what an American entails. Right. So... I think I, gotcha. I think the another answer to your question um, is when you talk about your identity or our identity in, in the church is our, you have to remember our real identity isn't Christ. Mm -hmm. um, that's true, true. That's where we get our identity. Um, our real identity is being conformed to the likeness of God, and so everything else is really secondary to that. So, like I think I think if you if you go to a a liturgical church, this is really helpful because, um, and, and even we see this in American, what, what some might call like an American liturgical movement. Um, so for instance, right, it's, uh, it's about, we're getting close to Halloween. Uh, we're about to go into the Christmas season in America, mm -hmm. um, not necessarily in the church. Uh, we're about to go into right, the fasting right. season in the church, but in the, in America, we're about to go into the Christmas season, and they're going to sing the, the same songs, song. right? Yeah, yeah. The same songs that they sing every Christmas, um, and and, in, and and that's a liturgical movement, um, and just like in the church, we're going to start to do. We're going to do what we always do. We're going to move into a new liturgical period, um, and we will sing the same songs we always sing. Uh, so, like, I mean, in easy and easy uh, example of that is when uh, when we get partway through the Advent fast, we'll start singing the canon, Christ is born, glorify him. Uh, and we'll sing that long before Christmas, um, quite a few weeks. I want to say five weeks, but I, I, I might not be exact on that. But, um, but those are, those are ways that I think, I mean, going back to how we find, you know, your, your point of of identifying with the church and finding unity in this sort of diversity of cultures, um, finding our finding our identity in Christ and, and landing there is is definitely prior to anything. Like it is just ontologically prior to everything else. And so, um, 
yeah. So I think that's like I think th- like we we as Americans and as American Christians have to be focused on on Christ first. Um, but I mean, I to, to to sort of go to your point, um, I think one of the things when when I became uh, when I when I found my way over to the Orthodox Church that was so enjoyable was the the practices that we were doing because my family was Eastern European, mm. I realized mm-hmm. I, we were doing the same thing that my grandparents and my great-grandparents and my great-great-great-great-great-grandparents would have been doing, right? So like, and, and my wife has a big influence on this too. So on uh, Christmas Eve, we do a 12-course meal. Um, and this is like a very Ukrainian-Russian huh. tra- tradition. I don't even know what that means. So, well, there's 12 courses. of. Well, I know what the 12, number means. Yeah, but. 12 <laughs> courses. So you do a 12-course meal like like for lot. Christmas Eve. And um, there are specific things that have to be on the table. Um, you leave an empty chair, uh, to huh. like, which symbolizes Christ being welcome to the table. Uh, so interesting. So, but you, but it's one of these things that you think back and you realize, oh my, and, and again, this is only because my, I'm finding my identity in my family. Right. Um, not only, but that's, it, but it's part of it. It's, it's part of finding that cultural like connection. Yeah. So you're like, oh, I'm doing these things that my great, great grandparents are doing. And that is really sweet. And I'm teaching it to my kids. So I think that's pretty awesome to pass that down. So anyway, um, so I get, I, I definitely identify with that, like wanting something of an identity in your tradition or culture or whatever. This yeah. reminds me of the wonderful movie, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby. Oh, <laughs> that, is, that is a wonderful movie. <laughs> Where Jean asks, do you know why I come to America, Ricky Bobby? <laughs> Bobby. <laughs> he he I responds that. so aptly. Public schools, free healthcare systems, water parks. Same reason why everyone comes to America. <laughs> water parks. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Yes, I love water parks. That's amazing. Not, I actually love water parks. I don't ever go, but like, I love that response. But I did go on a water slide this summer, and I was really stoked about it. But yeah. Anyway, Jim Gaffigan looks at a child in 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 a pool, and he says, "I am swimming in a toilet." (laughs) Basically. So, So there it is. That's like my reflection. Um, Maybe. I'll come to some answers in the in the near future, but I appreciate the uh, patience on me continually throwing things at no, you I, guys. No, I appreciate now. it. You know, it actually reminded me of of a topic that I kind of wanted to touch on today. Yeah. Um, if you guys don't mind, if I kind of jump switch on in. gears, please do. This is you mentioned. You're a, our guest. You uh, mentioned a a very telling word, a, a word that I think that identifies um, the theme of a lot of M Night Shyamalan's films: identity. And uh, most, most especially in uh, the earlier uh, movie that we, we spoke about last time in um, Made in 2000 called Unbreakable. And uh, also in Lady in the Water that came out in 2006. After yeah, please go off on that because, in our, you know, in our texting yeah. in, in, that we've in been preparing doing, for this. First of all, I want to give a huge amount of respect to M. Night Shyamalan, whatever people think of him, because as we were texting, I was just Googling his stuff. Zero of his movies have taken a loss. Zero. Yeah, you and I, you and I spoke about this the oh, last it just, week. You yeah. and I, we talked about it on Sunday night. That is crazy. Even huge actors take, a, take an L from time to time. Mm-hmm. 
huge directors taken out from time to time. He, he has not ever. He's just had varying degrees of success. That's pretty crazy. No, yeah. It's a very good point to make, actually. Some people might think that, oh, it tanked because it was so horrible, and maybe it was, but fiscally, he's never actually... That's right. Mm-hmm. That's why he keeps making movies. They keep giving him a shot. And I want right? to talk about that, actually, in, in a little bit, about you know finances and everything. The reason I bring all this up, because you said Lady mm-hmm. in the Water, mm-hmm. and I did not get it. I did not get why it's even a movie. I just I love that. Why it's even a movie. <laughs> Not like I didn't understand the plot or the story or I didn't understand this character's development, but like I don't even know why they made this a movie. Yeah, why at is all. this period. Exist? Why why did they do this? I understand. A lot of people might come away from that confused and sort of feeling okay, what what now and what what did I just what just happened to me? But uh, what I wanted to kind of touch on and and bring us into this, um, speaking about identity and sort of uh, using Lady in the Water and Unbreakable as as I think really flesh this out is is a question that Mr. Glass, played by Samuel L. Jackson. Sam. Sam Jackson. So good. So good. He asks a question of David Dunn, played by Bruce Willis. He says, do you know what the scariest thing is? To not know your place in this world, to not know why you're here. Yeah. That's, I think that's really, like, it's a big line. That's yeah. kind of the stuff that you're struggling with, that I'm yeah. struggling with in America, uh-huh. right? Oh, yeah. And I think, like, uh, one of the things that I realize, I think, a lot with young students as they run around asking, like, what... What's God's will for my life? Mm-hmm. What's God's will for my life? Right. What's God's will for my life? And what that's what they that's what they really mean. Mm-hmm. They don't really mean like, oh, I, if I, I just I I hope God's will isn't for me to be a plumber because gosh darn it I don't want to be a plumber. <laughs> and it's just like, like that's not don't what be they, a plumber. That's that's not <laughs> yeah. what they yeah right. I mean it's it literally is that simple. But um, that's not what they mean. I I think there's something like deeper gnawing at them, and I think it's something much more about identity than it is. Mm-hmm about like, I just want to find this, this path. And once I walk this path that is perfect for me, then uh, my life will be full of ease and enjoyment mm. and fulfillment. I don't like that. I think that's the, the, the shallow version of that. I think the deeper version is like, whoa, who am I in the midst of all of this? And we see that uh, in, in the character played by Bruce Willis, David Dunn, and him struggling with who he is and sort of suppressing that. And rejecting that, we also see that in the character played um, by, by um, Paul Giamatti, um, yeah, Mr. Yeah. Mr. Heap. Yeah, right. He's suppressing that. And I did pick up wanting on that. to yeah. not be who he was and reject that old self, right? Because it's hard, super hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what I love about this line that um, one of the more sober characters, one of the, the characters we don't really get to interact with too much, Mr. Leeds, in in Lady in the Water. He calls him out and he says, I know about your family. Is that the, can you, can you uh, remind me of the characters? Because I don't remember Absolutely. the names. Yeah. Um, was it the guy with the boy? That's no, writing? it's, it's the, uh, looks like he's an old army vet. Okay. He's always watching uh, the TV with uh, all the military stuff going on at the time in <laughs> Afghanistan and real, real mean looking face, old, older war torn face. Yeah. And he, and he s- says, I know what happened to your family. You can't hide here, son. And he, and he sort of, he, and, 
and Paul Giamatti, the character, um, Mr. Heap, he, he knows that. He's called out. And, and so, I, I, you know, these characters are really trying to struggle with who they are and sort of doubting themselves. You see that in Mr. Heap's character and, and, and also in um, David Dunn's character with who he is and, and sort of fearing what, you know, he's capable of and if it's true and doubting and things like that. So I think it's really a uh, really important thing to draw out of, of his movies that he deals with. Um, I, and there's, I mean, there's other movies we can, we can kind of touch on, but I think those two come out most pointedly. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, that's good. How so? How there there were other movies that we left off last time yeah. that we wanted to go through. Absolutely. And do you have a uh, do you have a, like a particular way you want to go through them? Well, we've already been sort of jumbling, but yeah, That's we can. We want to go chronological. We we like we have been going chronological, so we can keep that. Or up. if you have big, I yeah. I don't want to jump ahead in your notes, but I also no, no. want you to maybe like you want to highlight other like other ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, rather than sort of like walking through every single like step, giving like a movie review. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know. It's just yeah, an you idea. can do that. I mean, this is not going to be a thorough movie review. Any any of our our listeners are interested. There's plenty of reviews of these movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, I just want to tease out some themes, so really important stuff like we we've been talking about, and really kind of deal with what the actual what the movie's actually talking about. Yeah, it you know seems, I mean? and it seems for, I. I mean, it seems quasi-intentional that um, Shyamalan's films are, like, supposed to be about one thing and then they're really about something else. Right. Right? Yeah. And that, and, and it feels like... He's delivering it in this horror genre. Yeah. This thriller which, genre. Which is, so, so I don't want to spend more than, like, two minutes talking about this, mm-hmm. but... Uh, so, so one of the things I've watched recently was uh, Stranger Things, okay. seasons one and two, and um, I tried to watch this like six months ago, and I was just like, eh, not in. I, I watched the first episode, and I was like, nah, I'm out. It's not horror thriller. Isn't my scene. I don't really like it. I don't really get it. Um, and after we after we did this first episode, I was like, you know what? I'm going to give that, an, even though it's not, it's obviously not Shyamalan, but like I'm going to give that another look and I'm going to watch it with a different lens and see how I feel about it. And I absolutely loved it. Um, I thought it was really cool that they had all these nods to like classic horror films through like laced throughout the whole like, I'm going to have to series. take your word for it because I myself haven't it's seen it. So. so good. And so, yeah, and I don't, I don't want to spend a ton of time on it, but um, just... Like this, this whole like uh, this whole idea that like um, that like th- there's a scary thing and there are these monsters and there's like taking over this town and there's the upside down and there's and and I don't want to give it away too much since you haven't seen it. It's definitely worth watching, um, but like one of the th- there's just like these woven themes of love and friendship. Mm-hmm throughout the whole thing that are just constantly like redeeming and saving characters. Right. Like, um, at the, toward the end of season two, one of the girls who's been basically treated as a lab rat for this government program. Um, her sister is getting revenge on it. All these people who treated her like lab rats by mm-hmm. killing them. Wow. And like one of the characters like 
realizes that revenge won't bring peace to my life, but the love of my friends will. Hmm. And so she leaves her sister to go back to her friends. I mean, like, it, I, it was fun to sort of watch the film with these sorts of themes in mind yeah. rather than just watching the show. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. I, I, I just thought it was, it, was, it was really cool to watch a horror in that vein rather than just like, ooh, this is scary, and what is this guy going to do? And, oh, look at the cool monster, and, oh, wow, that's totally crazy, and she's nuts. It's like watching the characters develop in friendship and like look at the themes of love and family and friendship within this and, and within the film was really or the series it's not really a film um, was was quite amazing so no yeah thank anyway you. you could join the rest of the people in my life that are telling me commanding me begging me to watch that series oh you you lo- you love it okay so anyway I I put yeah. my name on that list all right all right so all right where are we going from here <laughs> well we already been uh, we already introduced our next film that was uh, came out in two thousand six which is Lady in the Water. And that is starring Bryce Dallas Howard, just like the movie prior, mm. 2004, starred her as a, a blind girl. Does Shyamalan like recycle he actors yeah, a lot? Yeah, okay. he does. He uses uh, Bruce Willis twice. Oh, yeah, that's right, because Willis was in Sixth Sense. Then he has uh, Joaquin Phoenix in Signs, then Joaquin uh-huh. Phoenix mm. in The Village. Uh, but also yes, in yes. The Village is Bryce Dallas Howard, that's right, and he uses that's right. her again. So, right. yeah, he does uh, tend to do that uh, in recycling. Uh, I, like, I that. like that. No, yeah, I, I like too. that a lot. It's it's good, um, but they're not playing the same character. Maybe you can. Well, Bruce Willis is he's a bit of a subdued, pensive person in 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 both of those roles that he plays. But mm-hmm. I still think um, he, they these actors do really well, and I think he casts he casts excellent mm-hmm. um, characters, uh, actors in, in each of these roles. But uh, yeah, Mike or uh, Eric, you saw. Lady in the Water, and it just left you confused, left you wanting. What's no, I wasn't. On? I wasn't confused as well. Maybe it. Maybe it is confused mm-hmm. as in I don't understand this. But I just actually yeah. don't understand. It, I don't know. Like, what? Mm. What do you think was the substance? Was it Paul Giamatti, the maintenance guy? Was he the point of that entire film? Him trying to deny who he thinks he is to what he actually is because. Other than maybe that, I, I just was like, oh, mm. I just don't want to watch this. Okay. I, I'm not entertained by it. I, I, I don't get why this is a thing. And I'm trying to figure out the story that he came across. And, and that you know, happens to be the character's name is Story, right? And there's some sort of, I think, meta narrative that uh, Shyamalan is trying to do with having the actual character's name being Story. And trying to tell the the audience how to tell a story and mm-hmm. how that works and what story does to people when it's when it's revealed to them, just like the the writer who saw saw her and had this revelation. And anyway, that's the, interesting. Yeah, and yeah, fun. There there is. I don't know if uh, I don't know if you've seen it. I don't want to. I've not seen. Okay. It. I actually want to. Yeah. And since Eric hated it, I almost want to see it more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do it. No, it, it's um <laughs> no, it's a little it's a harder movie to pin down and it's not one of I, I it's not one of my favorites of his, but I really I, I really have begun to to love it. Um I the, actually just showed a friend of mine this movie like three, four days ago. So and it's how still did fresh. Your friend, how did your friend feel about it? He okay, so I've been showing him all Shemelon's movies <laughs> and uh, I'm trying to catechize him. And um 
<laughs> for people out there that don't know what catechize means, it doesn't mean cutting anything off. It just means like someone who learns. You're not trying um, to circumcise yeah, him? No. <laughs> or, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I've got this friend, you know, I'm trying to circumcise him. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I've, I've been shown in these films because it's I thought a medical procedure. Yeah. These, uh, these films have, I mean, I, nobody knows about them. Nobody knows about them. And so I love talking to people, but I love showing them and, and everything. His reaction watching The Sixth Sense, his reaction with all these other movies have been great. Did he know the catch at the end of The Sixth Sense? No, he didn't. Oh, so I good. asked him before I put the movie in, have you seen Fifty really? First Dates? 20 years later. And he's like, no, I don't think so. It's like, <laughs> great, because Fifty First Dates ruins it. And it does. So. Like we talked about last time. But Which is also old. His reaction to, <laughs> I know it's old now. I can't believe how old it is. 15 years or something. We're old. Sheesh, man. Anyway. So his reaction was, he was like, okay, it was good. It was good. It kind of struggled with it. I think people need to rewatch it, really. Because, I mean, I'm sorry to say that, but they do need to rewatch it to try to see these characters. Because we're in a, an apartment building, right? With Mr. Heap as the janitor, the custodian that does all that all the grounds work, all the trash and maintenance and, and everything. And we have this this uh, this sort of uh, telling, the story starts out with uh, this narrator narrator talking about the way the, the world was with the blue world, talking with the people on, 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 on the earth, on dry land, and this connection that they had. And there's peace because the, uh, the people on earth listened and heeded the words of, of these people in the blue world, but man forgot how to listen, forgot how to hear story, right? And so story played by Bryce Dallas Howard comes to Mr. Heap in, in this uh, apartment building's pool. He comes, she comes up out of this, uh, out of the water. And um, there's all these characters in the apartment building that play a role in trying to get story back home but story also needs to encounter someone who's going to be responsible for um, the salvation and liberation and and pretty much the um, the furthering and progress of of the world to come because she's going to actually all all this character needs to do is see her and it awakens something in him and he writes this book this book that has this huge effect on um, a future president and it kind of starts this this thing of of change all right. And so it's sort of um, a little confusing because you got all these characters. You're not sure who do you attach yourself to. And, and several of them have literary interests. One's actually a writer. Mm -hmm. One's well, a writer. One's a critic. Well, okay, so that's a big thing. So this, this is interesting because we're now talking about Shyamalan with, what, with, with, uh, with a lot of, what a lot of people critique this movie for is because he puts this character, or some, some would rather call him a caricature, of a movie critic in the film who's there in, in, in Pennsylvania writing for this local newspaper. Right. And a lot of people say, this is Shyamalan trying to paint these, uh, these, uh, these movie critics these, as a caricature and as a straw man. And and he's pretty much a bad guy, sort of it, the way he's painted in in the picture, and um, and he totally misrepresents, misunderstands everything, and and gets and flubs things wrong because because of his arrogance and because he try to judge the intent of another human being. And this is Shyamalan. A lot of people say this is Shyamalan saying to the critics, "Hey, don't don't think you know what I'm trying to do. 
you've you for you forgot how to tell story and how to to read story. This is how you do it. And I think that's a lot of maybe what M Night Shyamalan is trying to do. Plus, Mike, he also puts himself into the movie as the writer who writes the book that saves the world. So that's fantastic. Some people think. Okay, that's a little arrogant. What are you trying to do, Shyamalan? <laughs> you know, no, this is super interesting, actually, for me on so many levels. Um, so one, uh, think about for a second. I think in our own culture, mm-hmm. uh, and this actually goes back to Eric's original original question. Um, think how we don't have mythology and story in our culture anymore, and that's not just about America nearly as much as it's about just the Western world mm-hmm. uh, because we're all rationalists. We all know better. We know that logic and reason drive us, and we don't need fairy stories anymore to teach us truth. And those stories are invalidated because they didn't have any historicity. Yes, right? that's right. So, exactly. And so, like, and so we, we've completely just cut out the importance of mythology mm-hmm. in, in what the Western world. Um, I mean, and you can just read heaps of stuff from Tolkien about this. I was helping a graduate student who's not a, who's taking a philosophy class who isn't, doesn't have a philosophy background this, this week, go through The Abolition of Man by C.S. Lewis. Fantastic book. Yeah, and, and I read it, it three times. I'm it's, still, it's amazing because, it. yeah, because, because Lewis is, is telling us uh, through these two authors in their children's book on, learning how to read that that we're invalidating um truth and we are when we talk about truth and our own feelings about truth we're not saying so when we say so for instance if we say like the rainbow is beautiful um his like his critique of these two authors and of the entire culture is what we're teaching children is that all I mean by my words, the rainbow is beautiful, is that I have some feeling inside me that is expressing beauty. We don't mean that the rainbow is truly beautiful. There's something about it that just is uh, beautiful. And so, so we were talking about this. And, and as Lewis is going through these arguments, and he, he's, he's like, and, and going through how we can, how, how we need to be a whole person, um, you know, he's talking about men without chests and what does it mean to be like driven by reason and logic and what does it mean to be driven by passion alone? Men uh, without chests? Yes. Like that's the like title brawn, of his, the basically. chapter. No, 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 no. What he means by chest is that sort Storch. of he mean he means so your your head is like controls your reason, mm-hmm. your chest controls virtue and the will. And then what he calls like the guts, the appetites control like these base appetites like food and greed and sex and like these just oh, sort of base human like desires. Right. Um, and so if if there's an imbalance between reason, virtue, will, and base desires, like we're, we'll we're, we become inhuman. Um, we're driven. If you're only driven by you know your base desires, then you're an animal seeking you know, food and sex. And if you're only driven by logic and reason, you cut out a, a, a world with virtue and with value mm. and with beauty and with meaning. Yeah. Um, just a brain on a stick. Yeah. And so, and so I think he's saying that our world, 
we've done this and we're doing this and we're, I mean, his, his point even more poignant is that we're, we're educating people in such a way and at such an age that they don't question these things anymore. And for Lewis and for Tolkien, when, when that happens, um, you cut out the, the value and truth that you get from story and from mythology, yeah, which for right. them, for them is much more important than scientific truth. Our, our education has become oh. teaching people what to think and not how to think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that when you talk about story in, in Shyamalan and the, that, that just made me think of how story in our culture has become completely absent mm. as far as truth telling story isn't a, a vehicle to deliver us meaning uh, and truth. It's a vehicle to entertain us. Yeah. And that's about it. It doesn't have any value beyond entertainment. Yeah. Well, are we even really focused on truth? I mean, and that will, it, but Lewis, right? would, Lewis would say no, because we've literally created a world where, where, where truth is no longer important because it yeah. has no value because your truth is your truth, right? And whatever you feel about something is just your own personal feelings and, and mine is mine. And we've been educated in such a way to believe that's the only way that there is. Right, right. And it mistakenly thinks that is is an ought. Is equals mm -hmm. ought, you know? Mm -hmm. just, cause, uh, just because it is that way, it's, it should be that way, right? Mm -hmm. So, no, that's really, that's, I'm glad you, you brought that up and kind of teased that out. And Lewis is, is great with regard to, to uh, story and, and fairy. I love that, mm -hmm. um, that great essay by, by Tolkien. On, um, on on fairy, fairy stories, stories. Yeah. such an excellent so work. Good. So, and I think that I, I really think that um, Shyamalan is a great storyteller with uh -huh. with film. I really do. And and like you said, what movies have just become pure entertainment, right? And when we're not challenged about you know who we are, right, our identity, and about about purpose, and about um, a hope, and the providence of God. And our and the will for you know our our place in this world, it just becomes you just become a man without chest, and you just these base desires, wanting to be entertained, wanting to eat. So yeah, really good stuff. I I, I like another a huge, and we can move on from uh, Lady in the Water. We can go into his next works, but some. I, so I I encourage you to take this in mind and maybe try to re see that. And and I know the movie as a movie is some is some of it falls short. I really, I, I can appreciate that. I understand that. Um, you don't feel maybe attached to some of the characters because they're in and out. You thought these characters were one role and then they left and now these other characters that were sort of in the background are now the main thing. And yeah. it, it doesn't have that emotive side to it. You, you don't feel really attached to those characters um, because there's just so much going on that you kind of spread thin as, a, as an audience member. But one thing that I think this movie really uh, nails down and is really about is um, is about identity and about purpose, right? We've already talked about that. She, uh, story said, I mean, what, I mean, it is the line of the movie. She says, she reads this uh, really horrible account of, of Mr. Heap, uh, played by Paul Giamatti. She finds his journal and reads the account of Paul Giamatti's family uh, being killed. Someone comes into the house, robs them, and, and kills them. 
while he's out. He's a doctor at this time, and he's, he's away from his family, and this happens to him. Absolutely horrible. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. he leaves the, uh, his craft. He, he goes away from being a doctor and just becomes a janitor at this no-name sort uh, of apartment. Yeah. And she says, you believe you have no purpose. And she says, that's not true. We all have a purpose. All beings have a purpose. And she says that all of us are connected and what we do affects the other. And um, I think that really comes out in the story, right? Because all of these sort of apartment members are connected and they all have a purpose in that story to bring, to bring story um, back home. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think it's really kind of teased out and shown in the movie itself. They don't know who they are. Right, they're trying to find their purpose, uh-huh. and um, and some people try to reject their purpose, at, like uh, Mr. Heap as the healer, as a doctor, and he didn't mm-hmm. even know that, and he tried to reject it, but um, it really, uh, you know, it came out uh. in that beautiful scene of him actually healing Story when she was wounded, and him being identified, unbeknownst to us, unbeknownst to the audience, that he was, um, he had always been the healer, and rightfully so, he's a doctor, right? So really um, beautiful the way that plays out. Interesting. What did stand out to me was his, was the, um, and we can move on after that, but his ability to control his passions. And you could see the struggle in his face. Like he finds this weird, beautiful girl. And at one point I think she is uh, showering or I think that's what it was. Yeah, she had to stay underwater. Yeah, yeah. So, and him coming across her and like, can you please cover up? Mm-hmm. Just like in a practical, if that, it, that's crazy, right? Most people would be like, you know. Yep. And there's, there's a good looking girl. He falls, you know, falls asleep and he wakes up with her on his way. He's his so lap. uncomfortable. And he looks up like, I miss this. I need to be touched. As, as someone who doesn't have a wife anymore, you could see that struggle in him and that want for some sort of connection. Mm-hmm. And that's real, bro. Yeah. But it was, it was definitely like, this isn't the person, that's not the one to be that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I picked up from him. Like, oh, no. I, this, I don't know. It just was very uncomfortable, and I can understand mm-hmm. why that was uncomfortable. And even um, taking that a little bit further, Shyamalan again he can do a whole shower scene of her being naked, and we, we don't see it, right? The character sees it, right? But we only see his reaction. Mm-hmm. He's, I, like I said last time, very clean director. Yeah, That's yeah, what yeah, I've yeah. always loved about him. I've, I've been watching him since I was eight years old. Uh-huh. Um, so uh, another thing I kind of wanted to visit, um, uh, right, pun intended, Vi- the visits, the actually one movie that I wanted to talk <laughs> yeah. about. But that's uh, a little bit later. I, I kind of wanted to touch on something very important. I think that Shyamalan would be a lesser director without the, the staple composer that he has in James Newton Howard. I think that he is absolutely amazing uh, in each of Shyamalan's films. Unbreakable, Signs, The Village... And Lady in the Water, all those scores are absolutely breathtaking. Yeah. I don't know if you remember at all seeing The Village or remember seeing uh, Lady in the Water, but those scores, absolutely gripping. To be honest, that stuff doesn't stand that out. That doesn't to stand me. out to you. It, it probably should. No, yeah. But, that's what I would encourage um, our audience. That's yeah. totally fine. 
take a take a listen at some of those scores, mm-hmm. and they're just they're just amazing. The the kind of the gripping. Uh, I was going to say yeah, score in, that they in, have. in these types of movies, you have to have the right kind of music, just to draw out all the drama. Absolutely. It, it just you need to do it really well. That that seems to be a very common but maybe understated relationship for mo- filmmakers is the uh, composers. Uh, offhand, I can think of. Uh, Stanley Kubrick used, I believe, the same guy for a lot of his stuff. Because if you, mm-hmm. I'm not encouraging anyone to go watch this movie, but it's just a fact that Kubrick made this movie, uh, A Clockwork Orange. The music, once you realize it's the same composer, and then you watch The Shining, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, whoa, this is this is interesting. This is very distinct. Mm-hmm. You can hear it and know you're watching a Kubrick movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think the same goes. Um, for I'm sorry you guys I'm I'm my my head is not what is Tim Burton oh, uses yeah. um yeah. who the guy from Danny the Simpsons Elfman? Danny Elfman right. that's I almost spe- uh, exclusively his guy and you could totally hear it in right. I right? I really think that Shyamalan you know Howard and and Shyamalan it's like Spielberg's Williams mm-hmm. John there Williams. We, yeah yeah there we go there's right? another one what yeah. would Jaws be without I mean, John, John Williams, Williams is just so, yeah. like, no. every classic, crazy classic movie he's mm-hmm. written the score to. It's amazing. I mean, obviously, Star Wars, Jurassic yeah. Park. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, like. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Just E.T. E.T. Yeah. Like, it, he, I mean, it's, it, yeah. it's insane. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What cultural influence John Williams has had on us. Let me tell you yeah. about the first interaction I had with uh, James Newton Howard and his score. All right. I, I wanted to tell this last, uh, last time, but um, I, it was 2002 when Signs first came out, right? And my brother and I, we were too young to go watch Signs. So our parents, <laughs> they were with uh, some friends of theirs, and they said, we're going to watch Signs. They didn't really know what it was going to be about. They heard about crop circles. And, of course, they, they remember the 70s. <laughs> uh, the crop circles. I don't know like, why I forgot about the crop they circles. They thought it was going to be like some kind of documentary <laughs> or some sort of thing. I, A documentary? I didn't know about this movie. <laughs> I didn't know what they were thinking. But So check this out. We, we, didn't, we, didn't, we didn't watch the movie, right? My brother and I, we went to a different movie. This is back when you can actually do that. I would never do that with my kids like go to one movie in the same <laughs> theater and you can go watch this movie. right it just i i don't know how i, I don't know I, it wouldn't set easy with me but so my brother and i we go watch uh the wild thornberries now man that is so apropos isn't it? <laughs> it is it is come on let the jokes bring on the jokes no yeah uh, with a last name like thornberg it's just i hear it all the time the thornberries yep. the wild not just Yep, your kids are kind of wild too. Oh yeah, yeah. They, this works oh, on many yeah. levels. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it works. It works. The wild Thornbergs. <laughs> so we watched that, and my brother didn't really want to, and I kind of regret it now. Uh, he he wanted to watch what was it, Treasure Planet or, or Atlantis or something like that. One of the cooler ones. But I won, <laughs> and we went to watch Wild Thornbergs. It's a it's a kids movie, so it ends yeah, a lot yeah. sooner, right? Right. Yeah, that's right. So mom and dad are in theater ten or whatever. Go meet us in there, and we'll, and we'll you know. Well, I think you did get talk together. about this last time. No, no, I was telling you about it. That I forgot to tell you guys on the show. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, Mike, I don't know. You you don't remember me telling I don't the story. You so the I story go. Now. We we go in there, and 
the theater is packed, right? Uh-huh. And my brother and I are like, okay, we try, we try to find a spot. So we go to the front. I think it was the first or the second row. <laughs> and the movie is, I remember the first scene I, I think of that I, that I remember seeing was Mel Gibson coming up from the basement uh-huh. carrying his kid, uh-huh. right? So it subsided. It seemed nice. Everything was okay. That's the lighthearted feeling everyone got uh-huh. in the movie, right? Aliens are gone. They all, they all left, and they left their wounded behind. You know, and, and so, okay, we the bring out the TV and that screen of the reflection of the alien holding <laughs> the sun is in that, is, is that scene. And then this dawn, this music starts to go because everything just goes down. It all, uh-huh. you know, the fit hits the shan and the music is <laughs> so intense. It is, it's absolutely gripping and haunting. And is my the brother and angle- I- you think you just assume it's Mel Gibson holding his kid? No, no, no. And you find out. So that this is that's the first scene I remember. Do you do you have you not seen the movie? It well, just, I mean, we're talking we're talking about decade and de- a half yeah. of recollection. No, no, it's okay. <laughs> that's that's what I first remember is him coming up out of the basement carrying his son. He puts his son down. Oh, he's bringing out the part. TV. Okay. Sorry. And we see, as he sees, for the first time, a reflection of what's going on behind him, which is the alien holding his son. And then the <laughs> alien proceeds to excrete, excrete the poison gas onto his son. Bo, the little girl, screams. The music, don don And my brother <laughs> and I, eight and ten years old, I am literally covering my ears crying. My brother's <laughs> like, just close your eyes. It'll be over soon. <laughs> and my mom, we're reflecting on this later. My mom thinks, oh, I hope the boys aren't in here. <laughs> She's like, oh my gosh, I hope they're not. We were in there and I was scarred for life. I didn't watch that movie. My brother, te- my brothers teased me and tried to scare me because I hated signs. And now it is actually one of my favorite movies That's ever. That's so funny. Because That's I, awesome. uh, That is hilarious. So, Anyway, I love James Newton Howard's score in that. It's absolutely, it's haunting. It's, it's beautiful. Um, and in all of his movies, I think they're really worth a listen to. You can just go on Spotify and, and just listen to them. The Village is uh-huh. so wonderful. So Interesting. I anyway, think I'll do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I hate to be this guy, but yeah. What, uh, <laughs> so what happened here with, with uh, Shyamalan? You got to find a hill a- to die on. Right after, after this... <laughs> After this movie, he came out with uh, The Happening. Did you guys ever see that? came out no, in 2008. No, I did not see The you, Happening. What did you lend me? You lent me, I think, the more mo- the newer ones. I did not give you The Happening because oh, okay. it's not worth your time. I gave you Lady in the Water, Split, and The Visit. Okay. Those are his brand those new two, ones. Those are heavy hitters, in my opinion. Those are great. Digging them. So we can, we, can pass up, uh, we can pass up talking about the happening. There's not a lot happening there. <laughs> can you give a, uh, a one-minute, what is it, synopsis? So do you, you guys never heard of or no, never no, watched it? I've never it? heard or oh watched it. Oh, my gosh. So something went really wrong with this movie. Um, it's actually starring... Except for its fiscal success, apparently. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Apparently it did. No, okay. he made some good movies. You know, he tried to up, up his advertising with this. It's the, it's the rated R movie, right? His uh, first rated R movie. It's going to be gory. They it's not going to hold back. No, they no, were no, not. No, no, they were PG-13. Really? Yeah. yeah. That, that I do remember. Wow. Because so, I remember signs being... I mean, you just assume that it's scary. Yeah, no, it was. So it'll but be it a was, higher it rating. It was tasteful, you know I mean? but it wasn't like a like horror slasher kind of thing. Yeah. So 
with, with the happening, I'm not going to spend too much time on it. But um, it's starring Mark Wahlberg and Zoe Deschanel. Wow. So this I like both what of them. Ye- what yeah, year? We like year both of them, right? They're they're great. Yeah, who we doesn't like Zoe? New Girl. We all love Marky Mark. Um, what year? But, uh, was it was 2008. I, I think you should put the Marky Mark to rest. Okay. It's a little condescending. Okay. I think he's proved himself. You know what? I'm really happy this movie didn't like. <laughs> I think he's proved himself. Set a pattern for <laughs> Eric's him. Eric's a big or, Mark Wahlberg fan. Okay. okay? I, hey, I'm big on it because he. The fighter. He. The uh, shooter. To be honest, I don't know about all that. I, I, I do like his movies. Those are actually both awesome movies, in my opinion. No, they are. But I follow him on Instagram. I love The Fighter. And the man the wakes up. Look, I follow him on Instagram, and I think he's pretty <laughs> cool, okay? He wakes up, and he puts his pants on one leg at a time, all right? Just like <laughs> us. No, he wakes up. He does his prayers. Is he, he Catholic? He works out. Yeah. And he freaking goes after it, and that's the mode I'm in right now. So I appreciate mode. the man. Mark? Is absolutely horrendous in this movie. He's <laughs> laughable. I'm not saying he's all. Uh, 100% it's hilarious. <laughs> he actually did. He he talked about it later. He he reflected on it, just saying it's just absolute trash. Anyway, that's okay. We, we open to the, He's a science teacher, and pretty much things. Well, that's people laughable. are starting. So this whole this whole the whole world is pretty much killing themselves, and they don't know what's going on. Um, and it's a spoiler alert. Like suicide, like actually. So killing they themselves? are actually killing themselves oh, okay. with whatever way or means they they can. They go and kill themselves. Anyway, uh, the, the, this is his quest to try to find out what's going on. It turns out to be plants and trees that are causing people to kill themselves by letting off, f- you know, pheromones and gases or whatever to self destruct the people that are causing them harm. The plants. Are fighting hmm. back. That's I was just going to say the plants fight back. So the happening. The there plants are actual fight predatory back. Pr- plants, by the way. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. but so this, not this movie totally lacked a uh, uh, a very concrete um, personal antagonist. That's mm. what happened. Oh okay. Uh, I think a, l- a lot of things happened with that movie um, that Zoe, were not so Zoe good. Zoe didn't sing in it. Oh so. Zoe did not. <laughs> oh man, yeah, she was she was terrible. I don't know who was worse, Mark Wahlberg or Zoe Deschanel, but. Mark Wahlberg, some of the lines, these one-liners, I would watch it on Bad Movie Night. I wouldn't be ashamed of that. We should do that. It's so bad, it's good. That's awesome. The lines in this movie. Maybe that's not a good idea. (laughs) Mark Wahlberg, some of these lines. You guys not worried about the bees? He's talking to his science class. (laughs) What I have to say, though. Bees are dying. You guys are, you know, Eric, you're not worried about the bees? I'm worried no, about the bees. No, in real I actually life. am, but just with Mark Wahlberg trying to convince me to be worried about the bees doesn't it just work. It didn't work, yeah. <laughs> but just to come to the defense, and I might have said this in previous podcasts or just somewhere else that I ramble off in life, it's not his fault. He has a boss. <laughs> like they signed off on his Dude, delivery. You Eric know what I'm saying? Is deep yeah, on defending, I did not know where he was going to go with that. Like, Mark no, 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 no. I'm tonight. just saying that. In general, Man. about Mark Wahlberg, if you ever hear this, you've got a fan. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's 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 just true. It, it could be the same with music recordings. Like, oh my gosh, the the tones are terrible, or the the whatever. Someone authorized that. I mean, he has a boss. I got gotcha. you. You know what I I'm gotcha. saying? So, and M. a producer Knight, and a director. Yeah, M Night's kind of the blame. Basically, M Night yeah. Shyamalan sucks. That's what we're just. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, this was all right. This show's was, over. Thanks, guys. Yeah, no, it was. So, Lady <laughs> in the Water. People were like, "Okay, no, he's gone. He's he's trash." Um, and then the happening came out, and they're like, "Oh my god, oh, it's, it's over." They, yeah, they just said, "Oh yeah, well, what we thought was correct because." <laughs> 
uh, people thought he was creatively paralyzed and that he just this uh, he was in this knot kept getting tighter and tighter and uh, after that came out um uh, another movie in 2010 called Airbender the last airbender and yeah i forgot that was i him. don't know if you guys even saw that but Negative. i remember that movie but i don't know if i saw no, it no it was it was probably the worst movie he's probably ever directed. Worse than The Happening. Was it yeah. his movie or is he only the director? It was his movie. It's, so it's his so thing. we're yeah. like, this is a steady downhill decline Dude, of terrible this movies. Is, this is when, it, like 10 years ago, uh, about seven, eight years ago, M. Night Shyamalan was not doing well. <laughs> so he had this great beginning. So how and did he bring tanked. it back? That's what I want to talk about a little bit. Okay. You've got so about 10 minutes. I got about 10 minutes. All right. So yeah. check it out, Mike. So he is a really successful director, and people are just begging him to write his stories, right? He comes out with Unbreakable, which I think actually gets a lot, of, a lot less uh, talk because it's in the shadow of Sixth Sense. But Unbreakable uh. as its own movie is, is a really excellent film. And then comes out with these other ones, kind of eh, disappointing, and just tanks it with some of these maybe consider, people might consider Lady in the Water, The Happening, Airbender. And he just, he's all out of, you know, he's, Nobody's coming knocking on his door and asking him to, to make movies, yeah, They right? think he's out of ideas. So he goes and he, he takes a loan out on his house, five million bucks. He goes and makes his own film. Uh-huh. It's an independent film. Uh-huh. Ah, so he doesn't, he's not looking for the, wow, that's interesting. Yeah. That's he, goes he produces his own film. Yeah, he goes in, he produces his own film. It's not finished yet, but he goes and he shows all these people in L.A., right? He goes to California, shows them all these people. Pretty much everyone, pass. Uh-huh. Not interested. So he goes back and he, he tells a story on us, a couple of different things I've listened to on YouTube. Really interesting, inspiring story that he talks about. He's, he's, he's putting this puzzle together, thousand-piece puzzle with his daughter. And he's sort of in the dumps. He's thinking about what he can do. And he, he sort of just focuses on this one thing, makes them meet, right, this puzzle. And, and he then... Um, he starts to be encouraged by getting these, these uh, pieces together, one at a time, one at a time. And so he, he takes this movie that was passed and sort of takes each scene, tightens it up a little bit, edits it there, does this with, does this with it. And it turns out he edits it, edits it, and he comes with this final product. And, uh, and he goes to this one producer called the Blumhouse, the people who did the uh, Blair Witch Project. Yes, yes, And yes. they're sort of the found footage people, sort of uh-huh. a kind of movie that they could put themselves behind, the, yeah, uh, yeah, kind yeah. of um, industry that they can put themselves behind this movie because it's sort of a found footage film. And so what he does now with, um, with this movie, he takes it and, and he shows it to this Blumhouse people and they say they take it. Right, they, they, uh, they take him, and it becomes the visit, and that it's a, it's an independent f- a film. It's a, it's a found footage film. It's I think yeah. it's actually M Night Shyamalan coming back, and I think it's a really well done film. When, and was this, two thousand fifteen? Came out on nine eleven two thousand fifteen. I saw it in theaters. As a fan, I'm thinking. Oh my gosh, M. Night Shyamalan is back. And I think a lot of the critics do agree. It's not trash. Maybe it's a B movie. I think it's, I think it's really good. I dug it. You dug it. I dug it a lot, actually. And uh, Mike, you, you haven't seen it I yet? I have not okay. seen it. No, it I'm going to have to borrow it from you. Yeah, it's, I think it's, it's an excellent film. The premise is really good, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think like how it all came to be. 
because um, the they she sends she sends the kids off on their own. That was unheard of after like the eighties. You didn't give your kids that level of independence. Where what do you, you just mean? you just drop them off at the train station. Okay, Grandpa, I'll meet you at the train station okay, or the gotcha, airport gotcha, or gotcha, the gotcha, whatever. Gotcha, and yeah. it's these two kids meeting their grandparents for the first time, ah. and they're teens. They're not little, so yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They're they're they're. So the two old people. I don't know if they were holding the sign, but there's two old people at the train station. It's obvious. They're there for them. Yeah. Okay. Grandma and Grandpa came to get us. Came and to get us. I'm gonna guess it's not Grandma and Grandpa. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Okay. Well, I guess Mike doesn't need to see the movie. <laughs> well, I'm cool with spoilers. The way you buy. set it up. Um, <laughs> it took a long time to get to that. <laughs> there, there's just a lot of creepy. I, I think it, it's the camera angles. I think oh, yeah. it's the the behaviors mm-hmm. associate. It's and it's not just that that's the outcome. Mm-hmm. It's how they build up to that. It's, it's not just actually, that they're kidnapped. Uh, I don't yeah. even think they're... No, it's they're so not kidnapped because they think it's their grandparents. Yeah, yeah. They're but, not held hostage. For the, sure, for sure. But I think besides all that, I think... Uh, I mean, it's, it's a I super it. funny yeah, yeah. film. I think this you is one funny? of... I'm not Shyamalan's best well, well done... Because of the rapper kid? Co- like, uh, comedy. Like that kind of stuff? Well, yeah. Because, I mean, the rap is, is whatever. I think, it, I think it's great, but... Um, I think it's, he does the comedy well. It's well placed. It's tasteful. Mm. It's I, I think he I think he does that. Um, there's some other films like Signs. Uh, he does comedy every time. There's something suspenseful or, or or thrilling or sort of uneasy. There's something funny right after it, like a balm over a wound, and it kind of huh. gets old if you notice it after a while because it's something funny, something funny right after something is very tense, but. With this film, it's it's it it does have that a tendency to do that, but I think it's it's really well done. I think it's is re- it a, is it a tense film? Yep. Yeah. It is. Okay. Oh yeah. I was in the. Theater. I was uncomfortable I was watching it. To yeah. be honest, super super uncomfortable because you had no idea what was going on next. And that I love the the best line. Oh, almost the best line of the movie was Grandma turning all innocently over to uh, over to the young lady, and she says, "Would you mind getting inside the oven to clean it?" Oh gosh, dude, I was having. So, it, no, really? watch the movie. That's it's, creepy. Yeah. Oh, it's great. It's, like, it's, yeah. it's a Hansel and Gretel going on over yeah. here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's after a point where they're starting to suspect, oh, Grandma and Grandpa aren't right. Yeah. They didn't think it wasn't Grandpa. They're just like, there's something going there's on something with, Grandma wrong Grandpa. with Grandma and Grandpa. Yeah, mentally. And they actually convince you that it is something, uh, a, a real psychological ailment that people do have. And they, right. and they convince you of that. Um, and you totally thought she was going to cook her just literally. Yeah, you're just like, you why would someone? And second of all, who has an oven that can fit a five foot six girl that huge inside of it and close that it country <laughs> sort of <laughs> oven? Yeah, it's, it's great. Um, but I, I think this movie does deal with some like M. Night Shyamalan is want to do. It's not just this jump scare sort of cheap entertainment. He's dealing some real stuff with relations, right? You're de- dealing with div- divorced parents and with these uh-huh. kids who are struggling with forgiving, forgiving their dad and, and uh, knowing and, and loving themselves and knowing who they are, right? Being uncomfortable in their own skin, being afraid to look at themselves in the mirror, being, uh, being afraid to walk around and touch things without being you know, scared of germs and stuff. That's the kind of stuff he's teasing out. And... We also see this 
uh, just like they're having trouble forgiving their dad because they that because he left them. Right. We have the mom who had left the grandparents. Right. This is why the the these kids are coming to visit for oh, the, the first yeah, yeah, time. Yeah, that's right. Because that's right. mom because mom ran on out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like doesn't want to have anything to do with everyone's him. abandoning everyone. And so she held on to this bitterness. And she says, and this great line at the end of the movie, do not hold on to anger. Because if you do, your kids get a, a whirlwind of a week with some murderers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, it, I think it's, uh, I think it's, it deals, I mean, because if, if she didn't hold on to bitterness and unfor- being unforgiving and didn't hold on to yeah. anger, this wouldn't have happened, right? And, and I can attest to that just, we can all probably think of something like that where anger has interrupted our family lives. Mm-hmm. And we, oh, we, for sure. we quickly get to, if I only had this type of whatever, aunt, uncle, cousin, grandma, grandpa, whatever, then my life would be on this trajectory, right? Or if, and, and I think about that even, say, my uncle's funeral. Uh, this was in 2001. My grandma, this is only what I remember being told, but my grandma, uh, who has now passed away as well, was like, I don't want these other, if I remember correctly, and I apologize in advance if any of my family is uh, listening to this and I got it wrong, but uh, I don't want these other Melvilles here. They weren't here for Danny before, so they're not here. They shouldn't be here now. And really what happened in death is what I think the church preaches. It, it, it allows you to reflect, but it also brings people together. Mm-hmm. And it actually, the people that she didn't want to reconnect with, she developed uh, new relationships with, one of them including uh, her own daughter. So, and I totally just lost it. No, I, I think I just like my, in this movie, distance can cause that uh, demonizing of someone, right? It yeah, can yeah, just yeah. deepen that bitterness in the wound without bringing it out hmm. and actually seeking forgiveness. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's true. So, so what do we got? One more movie. Well, no, well, I don't know if you guys, uh, if you guys have time, but we had, we had this next movie called split. It's really good. You guys should see it. And All right. Split is good. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no that's, uh, that's the last one I did yeah. watch, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, d- I did see that. And did you like that? To be honest, I don't remember. Can you refresh? <laughs> he has a split personality disorder. He has like, 30 personalities oh, living dude. inside him or 20 23 dude, personalities split personalities is crazy we once in our office had a person with split personality disorder leave about like eight voicemails in one week legitimately legitimately yeah 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 wow he he would he uh this is not funny but it is he called pretending he was robin hood one time wow cuz the last name of our secretary receptionist was sherwood <laughs> and so he was in the Sherwood Forest, and he wow. took on the name Robin Hood. He said, "Oh, this is." I mean, it was, and then, and then he called us someone else, and it's an old per, like no he way. called us all. Yeah, split personalities is totally brutal, gnarly. There's okay. You're gonna explain it. So, do you want me to talk about um, the hole that I kind of immediately found, and probably everyone the else hole. Did? There's a no, hole in the story. There are no holes in M. Night Shyamalan films. No, no, no. no. This one was glaring. What's the hole? Let's hear about it. Well, one of the, one of the personalities was that of an eight or nine-year-old little boy. And they, right? Yeah. That's, Why is that a hole? Go on. 
Okay, so obviously this is this was just an initial thought the first time this character was introduced. It 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 may not be what I was thinking at the end of the film. So this guy with split personality disorder captures these three young ladies and puts them yes. down in a basement. Sorry about that. Okay. Yes. Okay. Just to update the layman. Thank, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My so. mistake. So my initial thought was, okay, these are teenage girls. Uh, they're going to be bigger. So he takes on the personality and physical characteristics. Now he obviously doesn't shrink, but sure, he sure, becomes sure. what an he eight-year-old He acts like is. an eight-year-old. And they could have easily killed him. Yeah, the problem is, is, though, is but when you see this in real life, like even when you see this in real life, right, you see, you see young girls, like we've heard stories of young girls who are captured by total like whack, like just whack jobs. And there are like all these multiple spots for these, for people to escape. Right. And for all this psychological, for all these reasons that, that, this psychological trauma that is caused to them, they don't like the, I, you, you hear the story and you're like, Oh, I was just at the gas station with him and he went in like, and you could just get out of the car and run. Yeah. Right. But like they don't because, but not here because they're actually confined. They're no. actually actively trying to get away and get out. Yeah. No, and I, they could have, I think by killing the little boy. I gotcha. I think that she did take advantage of him, of Hedwig, when he was a, Hedwig, when yeah. he was a little boy. That's I think he was name. really funny. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. that was the number one and comedy split, relief. Split personalities. Duh. I don't know why did that just dawn on me. Oh, split being split personality. It's all right. So, did you like this movie? This movie, I think, is absolutely. Who's the excellent. guy? It's not Fassbender. It's um, James fact. McAvoy. Yeah, dude. Ah, it's yes. it's very is well casted. Is he the guy? Is he the dude, like, the split guy? James McAvoy. Yeah, he's a great actor. Is an excellent actor in yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. He is absolutely breathtaking. Yeah, I cannot look away. I mean, he does a solid six, seven characters. Right, he has twenty three. We don't see all of them, uh-huh, but there's uh-huh. solid, delved out, lived out like characters we get to know. We know when he is. This guy, he, we know when he's Patricia. We know when, because you could see it on the screen. It's yeah. coming out in his face and his mannerisms, and not even just what he wears. This is and a then really also well done character. The psychologist calls him out. I don't think you're who we have always been. Yeah, as in the relation, like yeah, if you came to me and all of a sudden you're Michael, but very subtly, like you would say. I'd be like, wait a minute. No, Mike no, would never sit like yeah, that or yeah, something yeah. like that. You know she, what I'm she could tell because his personalities have these traits, and she is getting to know all of yeah. them, the, this, uh, uh, this psychologist that he's been treating with. It's cool. So I, Really I, cool film. I give it my straight up. I think of all the Shyamalan. Shyamal, what's his name? It's uh, Shyamalama Ding Dong. Shyamalama Hamadong. <laughs> Go watch this one. Yeah. Uh, honestly, this split. is good. It just came out January 2017. Fantastic. And, right, you, I mean, you see this resurgence, right? There's, there's a lot more risk in what he's doing with his movies now. He took out a loan on his house to make Split. I'm, I'm sorry, to make The Visit. And it, I mean, it made $100 million, and it took $5 million to make. Yeah. yeah. And he did the same thing. He paid for Split. It's a low-budget film. He doesn't film. need them it's anymore. It's an independent film, and he's got risk. He's, he's doing this. He, you, you could tell there's this rawness to, the, to this art and the storytelling that he's doing now. And um, I, think, I think we're going to get the same thing with his next film, uh, which is coming out in January 2019. It's coming out soon, then. Super I was going to ask you. I saw in 2019 when I looked up the filmography, but I didn't realize... It was January. So. Yep, it's yeah. coming out real soon here, and I'm I'm super excited because uh, Academy Award worthy. 
No, uh, I don't really care. Too I much would about say, that. yeah, <laughs> who gives a crap what those people say anyways anymore? I'm over all so, that. Some of them, yeah. Norm, Norm McDonald's is dealing with that. And, and the Norm McDonald is dealing with that? Yeah, yeah. What did I say? Norm McDonald? I just don't know. I didn't know Norm McDonald made a movie. Does he have a no, farm? He has a show on Netflix. Oh, I never heard and of him. And it's not doing well with the critics. But it's getting great reviews. And, and the reason I bring that up also is because M. Night Shyamalan is actually on one of his... Uh, oh, really? And that's how I is found out... Is it like out. an interview show? Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, it's great. I should watch it. And, oh, it's awesome. And Shyamalan was a great guest. And as it turns out, like a lot of uh, music art, uh, artists or directors... It turns out uh, Sixth Sense wasn't his first movie. I think it like was his third or fourth. Yeah, we, talk, we talked about mm-hmm. that. We did talk about yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I apologize. No, I, no, problem. Uh, no, problem. no, no, no. We talked about Most it last time. Most people think it's his first. Right, right. It's his breakout film. We talked about it last time, and last time was like a, a month ago. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what would be, and I know we could continue oh. to, to go on forever. But for sure, for sure. What would you like to close out? Like, what would you... For people who really need to be convinced, why is he a guy that people should pay attention to? I know we've been talking about it, but like yeah. Sum, yeah, sum it it's up, hard do you to, think? to sum it up in, in just one sort of sentence. I think Try. he cares about story. I, I think, that's, I think that's one thing that lost he is, is a master and, storyteller. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And people have forgotten how to listen. Right. And forgotten oh, how to. So true. I mean, like, I don't want to go on a tangent here because we're running out of time and I want you to get to your uh, five points. But um, think about like being in church and about just the skill and the effort. I think effort is probably the best word it takes to just listen, like to not look at it, uh, not look like regardless, like to not look at the words somewhere, to not have a book in front of you, you're reading out of a book, right? A service book or even a, a hymnal if you're in an old hymn, to just listen. Yeah. It's so hard. You I, know, it's so hard to just listen. We have um, a seminarian, Michael Yanakakos, right? You, you guys obviously know Michael, and our, I'm not good friends with him. I don't um, need to pretend like I am, but I, he's a younger guy. And there was one time in church, we have marble floors in our church, which the first time you come in, you might think is very beautiful and all these things. But actually, as it turns out, it's kind of a pain in the butt a little bit because it's really <laughs> loud and they're hard to clean. <laughs> they're very hard to clean. Yeah. <laughs> it's stunningly beautiful when, it, when they're prepared correctly. But it's anyways, I'm, I'm but what he said one time, because we have we are one of the few places, I think, that has a thriving family life. There are children everywhere, and they're loud. And when you're like me, and you're getting older, and you're getting sensitive to all that stuff, I, I just, I don't know if I was complaining, or if, I don't know how it came up, but I happened to be speaking with Michael. Michael's a younger guy. Like, we just happened to be standing next to each other, I think. And I said, man, it's loud in here. You know what he told me? In the most kind way, because this guy is a kind and gentle person, he says it is not the children, it's along the lines of, it's not the children's responsibility to be quiet in church, it's our responsibility to pay attention. It, it was something like that, mm. like, this is on you, 
dude. Just Met- to piggyback what you're saying. Metropolitan Anthony, um, who used to be in San Francisco, uh, used to say, if you were really praying, you wouldn't hear them anyway. <laughs> Exactly. That's hard. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So listening, to tie it in listening is difficult. Yeah. It <laughs> takes effort. That's the point. So uh, we'll <laughs> just wrap up with some of the some points that I was. Yes. Kind of, I, I, I'm I'm excited to hear your points. Oh uh, yeah. It's it's nothing crazy. Nothing too profound. Or uh, you know, uh, just some thoughts. But uh, we talked about last last time about watching movies well. Yes. And that doesn't really help too much it sounds nice but unless you have something to hang your hat on like what do you mean how do i do that mm. i thought of some points All right. okay how do we watch movies well well first point is don't watch everything that's my first point hmm. i really think some movies are not worth your time and in fact you you could spend your time doing something's more worthy than actually watching a movie like reading a book oh sure sure and being with your family so I, my first encouragement is you don't have to watch everything that comes out, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes mm-hmm. it's just trash, right? Yeah, I these mean, that's these true. franchises, they just, they're machines and they're just going to keep making more movies. They're just not worth it. Yeah. So kind of be a little uh, critical, right, with what you actually spend your time and money on. I think, um, yeah. I think that's um, kind of good to think about that. But I also think I actually took a course in film history. And I, I just maybe I encourage you, you don't have to become like a film history buff, a film critic, but it's kind of cool to learn about film history and uh, and about film in general. Right. The big the greats of film that have been through the years and uh-huh. how film happened and, and the sort of the trajectory it had and how it got its startup and everything. I took a course at um, at my for my bachelor's degree. Um, and it, it got me started. It started the ball rolling. I got to. I was exposed to some of these different films from history, and it was really interesting. Yeah, so that is interesting. Um, watch, the, watch the greats. You know, the. I mean, you could start with what won best. Uh, the the Academy Award of Best Picture, right? That's sort of a nice place to start. That kind of yeah. gives you a somewhere to go. Yeah. And and we spoke about this a little bit last time. Ask of the movie. What are uh, what are they trying to tell me? Right? How does this match up with my worldview? Yeah. Right? My beliefs, my convictions. Is this point two? Um, I, I've been, this is like four. I'm just sort of being. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. I thought they were. No, no. Um, these are some, it's just certain points these that are just certain to ask yourself. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, what are, they, what are they trying to tell me? How does that, like I said, wh- how does this, is this disagree with what I believe, what my convictions are as a, as a Christian? Uh-huh. Why or why not? And that's important, right? Mm-hmm. We just want to—we don't want to just take anything that comes down the pike. We're going to be kind of critical, critical of that. Even, even like to go off that point, I think sometimes that's just really personal. Um, mm-hmm. I was—I'm th- thinking about the podcast you and I were talking about before we started here, uh, Pop Culture Coffee Hour, and and one of the hosts was saying that um, that there's some sometimes The Office was hard for him to watch. Because it just seemed like people were being intentionally mean. And there wasn't like any redemptive value in it. It was just like hu- like mean humor to be mean to, like, so, like just to be mean to people and, and to cut people down for the sake of cutting them down. And mm-hmm. he didn't, uh, there wasn't any, there wasn't any reason to watch that. It, it was hmm. just sort of, and, and I mean, and this is a person who watched the entire season of The Office and loves The Office, but 
You know, there are, there are moments he, when... He had to look at himself, and he's just, I can't do this. Yeah, and it's right? just hard. And you have and, to know yourself and, as a movie goer. And this, what and you, this, uh, mm-hmm. this conversation, I think, for them originally got started with Game of Thrones mm-hmm. because they reviewed Game of Thrones, and they have a Christian podcast, and <laughs> there was a lot of people that criticized them, and they, and they basically said the same thing. Like, look, we get it. Some people can't watch this for, you know, all of the sex in the show and all the nudity, and that's really hard. But, but they're okay with the violence. But, is that? But well, no, it's not. It's not. So that's the thing. It's not like a. It, it's not a. I haven't seen it's the not show. I just escalating. It's, it's not an escalating scale of like this is morally oh, okay. okay. This is morally permissible, and this is not. Like right. you can't watch it if it. You know, Christians can't watch shows that have X, Y, and Z. It's just more of a like that might be triggering, or that might be really hard for you to see because of your to see passions. you. Yeah, to yeah. see. Mm. So maybe seeing like people, maybe watching UFC, for instance. We just talked about the fight earlier. You know, yeah, is is. Maybe some people can't watch it because it just makes them want to fight people. Some people but maybe, shouldn't watch it. But yeah, and the, so they shouldn't watch it. It incites but, that. But for you, maybe like it doesn't do that, and you can enjoy it for other reasons, and that's okay, right? Like I think that's mm-hmm. kind of what they're okay. saying. I yeah. just thought it was interesting. And no, I think no. It kind of goes along with what, like some of your points. So uh, n- the next point is I think we should ask ourselves about uh, this, about a lot of the things that we do and a lot of the things that we undertake. Am I watching this or am I partaking of this? Am I doing this to escape? And mm. I think a lot of the times a theater can be a way of yeah. escaping. And that's a good thing sometimes, right? Sometimes we can do that safely. Yes. But I think a lot of people, they run away yeah, and we need escapist we, about films. Yeah, right? we, and we need to check ourselves on that and be very cautious of like, is this a relaxing break that I need? Or am I just trying to not deal with the hard things of life? Yeah, right. Is it's just an hour and a half away from something that is going to yell at My me the second I walk out the door? Right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I... Uh, That's a good one. Something that really bothers me is, have I seen this movie before? <laughs> and by that, I mean, is it a remake? Is like it a cliche? By, by remake, I mean, is it something that's maybe a book that turned into a movie? Oh, or is it a okay. reboot? Right? Yeah. And interestingly like, enough, your favorite movie of all time is a remake. It's true. It's true. Right. And maybe, and it would do me well to actually read the book, yeah. right? Because most every time someone sees a movie that was uh, that was a book prior, the book is better. And I I think we should do well to actually yeah. read it. Right? And usually with yeah. good reason. You've got you know anywhere between three and nine hundred pages to write a book, mm-hmm. and you've two got hours about to do it in. yeah, you've got about two hours max to tell a, a story in a movie. Mm-hmm. So you can't capture eight hundred pages of a book in uh, in two hours. You just or even three. It's just impossible. Mm-hmm. Anyway, right. uh, is it a reboot or a sequel? Like we just keep seeing. Over and over They're again. really... Oh, I just saw on Instagram today an ad for uh, the live-action Aladdin movie. There you go. <laughs> haven't seen that before. Because Disney just is able to pump this stuff yeah. out, and people just keep paying for it. it that is, and, and unfortunately, even though Disney is usually really good at what they do, uh, they don't... And, and I'm not like... I, they, they wouldn't even have to be. You could mm-hmm. reboot all of these like nostalgic '90s movies for people, mm-hmm. and and the millennials of which I am barely one, but my wife's generation, especially, she's five years younger than me. She's thirty, thirty, yeah, thirty. Um, at least until next week. 
um, that that her generation is just gonna go see every film that they saw as a little kid because mm-hmm. it's just it was part of their childhood. So yeah, but if they rebooted Sandlot, like maybe the what was the the main guy? They uh, didn't reboot it, but they made a sequel. I don't remember that. It yeah, is, it's, it's trash. I was going to say, I mean, even the heavy hitters like Anchorman and oh, stuff yeah. come back with reboots. Yeah. You just it, can't really do it. Anchorman 2 wasn't very good. It was awful. I, and I don't mean to use a such a movie like that, but I was just saying, like, if they brought it back to where the Sandlot, the main guy, Benny, is a dad with his kids yeah. teaching Little League, yeah, it would just yeah. be, like, such a lame movie. And, and right? I, I love the like, quote from Lady in the Water. The movie critic actually says, there's no originality left in this world. That's a sad conclusion that I've come to. And my brother and I always quote that when we just keep seeing these reboots. They're just not worth our time. We've seen it before. Next next point I I just want to close on is, do I feel connected to these characters? Right? That's one of the biggest things. If I feel estranged from them and their struggle and what's actually at stake, it's not a good story. And how so? Right? How do I feel connected to these characters? And... And and more on top of that, did I learn or grow from this? Hmm. Yeah. Learning and growing. I think education and virtue are the things that we should really mine for when we're watching film. And I think, I mean, on that note, I think that's uh, sort of the point of the podcast. Yeah. Is am I learning and growing? You know, we want to talk with people about learning and growing. That's right. And our own, like, journey and our own struggles and the things we're engaging, and our entertainment, all of these things, right? Um, yeah. Learning and growing is, the, is kind of the point here, right? as we want to do things better. And we're doing that. I can tell in all of us. Like, I can tell it in the people that talk to us that listen, me, you. Just these conversations. Yeah, I mean, it's, like, it's and working. And just reflecting on those and, and, and putting them to practice in life. I'm, yeah. I'm happy to be a part and happy to... Yeah, I'm track. stoked you did this part two. Thank you. Thank you for being the first uh, part one and part two oh, podcast. No. Right. Really? Yeah. You guys, I feel honored. Thank you. Yeah, I never thought that. it would be about movies either. Yeah. I thought it would be... About who knows. About who knows. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. That's, All right. Uh, Fantastic. Happy to be yeah. a part. Thank you, everyone. I'm sorry to those who... <laughs> hate M. Night Shyamalan? Yeah, well, oh, the, and the spoilers. Yeah, and the spoilers are, are the, sorry, those who hate him. Come <laughs> talk to me. Yeah, come talk to Joseph. But um, do you yeah. have any, any last words there, uh, Eric? Well, where can they find us? Good question. They found um, us. They're already listening, so, but where so can they find what, us? What they should, what, for all of you wonderful people listening to us, uh, start by giving us a five-star rating on your podcast app and saying something really cool about us. I've done it. Why haven't Look you? Look at that. Look at that. Yeah. Woo. I and, did it um, today with uh, Chris Shiflett from the Foo Fighters. He has a podcast and he interviews country people. I just got turned on to it. I guess he's had it a few years. I was like, I five-starred this for sure. I heard yeah, Merle so, Haggard. So rate it, rate like, it and say something fantastic. nice. It helps other people find the show. It does. Uh, it gives, it gives us more visibility. Uh, also, you can find us on social media, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, I think and our the shows elusive get YouTube. Yeah, elusive YouTube. <laughs> but at Start Today Podcast, Start Today Podcast, go follow us there. Ask us questions. You can email us at starttodaypodcast at gmail.com. Um, let's the, go cast. Let's go cast.com is a network of podcasts that 
help produce us. And they've got some cool shows. Our show is there. Uh, there's merch there for Let's Go. One yeah, day, hopefully, there'll be merch. Pop culture yeah, show. If you're into comics, there's comics there. So go Literally check that out. Literally every week, there's a new episode yeah, so on comic stuff. Go check that out. And um, that's it. We will see you next time. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Adios.